1: this week on the podcast an interview and an announcement i have been waiting for months to air to the public you know when you have one of these secrets you want to share with the world but you have to keep it to yourself and then it's finally out that's what's happening this week on forward what we have been working on for months the co-ceo of forward party matt shinners joins us to talk about what the heck we've been doing Hello, everyone. An historic week here at Forward. With me is the co-CEO of the Forward Party, my longtime friend and collaborator and colleague, Matt Shinners. Welcome, Matt. Hey, everybody. Thanks
0: for having me, Andrew. Really excited to talk about the uh, the new Forward Party.
1: Yes, the new Forward Party, same as the old Forward Party, but very different <laughs> 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 with, with, with a lot of new friends and colleagues. Yep. Uh, so you've been working on this for months, and we're going to get to it. But how the heck did you come to recognize that we need a third party in the United States. You actually put it on your law school application a million years ago.
0: Yeah, way, way back in the day. Um, I got into uh, some, some fights with some Democratic speakers at undergrad about third parties being necessary for the country. And it, it started from a different place than where I'm at with it now. It started very much from an ideological place. Uh, I was, you know, very much a, a lefty in high school and college. Uh, Democratic Party was, you know, to the right of where my personal politics were at the time. And so the initial view was we needed a third party for me because I didn't fit in the Democrats. I thought that they were too centrist, too moderate and all of that. Um, That has largely not been something that I have believed uh, for probably like six or seven years at this point. But uh, actually, Andrew, working on your presidential campaign is really kind of what drew me in a different direction, uh, where a lot of the people that I was speaking to who supported you, who were uh, from the right side of the political spectrum made some really good arguments that I didn't have good responses to. And so I recognize that uh, these ideologically rigid parties that kind of tell you what you need to believe are not fantastic for this country. And they're not fantastic for us because not everybody fits into these neat little buckets. So rather than try to uh, come at this from an ideolo- ideological angle, uh, at this point, I really think we need a third party because we need to show Americans that there's another way to do things. You find your shared values, you build off of them, you talk with people who disagree with you, you find compromise positions that work for the different people in that party. Uh, if you showed up to like a party and every single person just had the exact same ideas of what was fun and... Conversation was just, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. It'd be a terrible party. And uh, so, why do we take that with our political party and then secretly hide, you know, the uh, the views we have that don't fit neatly into the uh, the buckets that they've defined for us?
1: So you were with me through the presidential, and then when the forward party was getting started, you've been carrying really the the heaviest uh, operational day-to-day responsibility while i was running around being like hey guys forward party we need it we need it uh and then at the end of last year we had conversations with two organizations the serve america movement and the renew america movement no relationship to each other i joke even though they have the same middle and last names uh and then we had this convo saying hey we should work together you know what maybe we should go another step and actually combine forces and turn our organizations into one organization. Uh, When we started having those conversations, how seriously did you take the possibility that seven months later, we actually would do something that's nearly unprecedented in politics, which is join forces?
0: Uh, I very much thought that it's what we needed to do. And I very much thought that there was almost no chance it would actually happen. Because as you said, it's, it's unprecedented. You know, Ram and Sam, uh, I've come to respect the people who work over there, but the starting point was very much, you know, different ideological positions. And uh, that's just not how America thinks about how you form a political organization or political parties at this point. So, uh, you know, the, the new party space is just littered with the corpses of all of the failed attempts out there, because this is really, really hard to do. uh, And everybody tends to try and define their own lane and not move forward with it. The two of us talked about this. The only way we can really make any headway here is if we start to consolidate, instead of like everybody having you know, $500,000 to a million dollar budget, we need to bring all of that money, all of those people, all of that energy, all those volunteers, all those millions and millions of Americans who really don't want to be a Democrat or a Republican anymore, but don't have a a landing pad, a a new home that they can go to. We need to get all those people together. Uh, But, you know, we were still talking with groups that we have some ideological differences about. So I didn't think that it was likely to happen. Plus in politics, you know, everybody's a politician. And so there's a lot of politics that are going on behind the scenes. But, you know, getting to work with everybody over at Ram and Sam has been fantastic uh, because everybody over there is really, really aligned on the same mission that we are, which is saying the country is broken. The two existing parties are taking us in the wrong direction and trying to get us to hate each other. And if you get down to it, there's really just a ton of stuff that we agree on. You know, you take some of the, the more controversial issues out there, say gun control. I think we can all agree that we want fewer suicides and we don't want our kids to be scared at school. So let's start there. And then let's talk about the different solutions that we want to propose and find compromise positions that we can all live with and, and move forward to make those things happen. And then make sure that it's working, that you know there are fewer uh, suicides by gun. There are fewer school shootings and all of that. And if things we're trying aren't working, let's try something else. But we can't really do that if half of the country is yelling at the other half and failing to agree and thinking that they're awful human beings who are our enemies and we've got to defeat them in order to move America forward. That's you know, <laughs> we're, we're a democracy. If you hate half of the country and think they're the enemy, the whole thing's going to collapse, and that's that's where we're headed. So it's been great working with uh, with Ram and Sam to really kind of find those common values that we all share and bake that into to the new forward party and find the way forward with them.
1: Yeah, you're as logical as the day is long, Matt, which I think is a common component of some of the early forward party builders and members. Uh, you studied, was it chemistry or biology Bio-cam. in college? A little bit of both. Biochem, look at that. That's why I, I could have smashed those together. Yep. Uh, you then went to law school Um, which also tends to reward uh, logical thinkers. One reason I'm so excited about what we're doing is that uh, we are bringing together different tribes, different groups, uh, as long as you can agree. And one of the reasons why I was very, very pro uh, this combination of organizations happening is I was like, well, we're trying to unify half the country or 60% of the country. So these are people who are incredibly mission aligned where that they, they want to give Americans a voice. They want to rejuvenate and modernize our democracy. So I might not see eye to eye with them on everything, um, but we can com- completely work together on like most important things. But I found getting to know them, as you said, really, really positive and delightful and people who work in the third party space tend to be very, very principled and patriotic because there's no real rational incentive to do it and that's one thing that pisses me off sometimes when people like oh like going into the third party space like you must be really full of yourself and are you like are you kidding me like everyone who's full of themselves like stays in the two-party system because uh, you know they'll get uh, stroked on a regular basis (laughs) so when did you come to the conclusion with Ram and Sam, you're like, you know what, I think that this merger is happening and it's going to work. There were a lot of moments
0: along the way where there were various, you know, breakthroughs or moments where a little bit of trust was built here or there. But I think the clearest moment, um, and you were in the room for for this one, Andrew, was uh, when we all got together and had, um, had a look at a document that we've been working on a little bit behind the scenes for a little while that really laid out the values and principles that brought us together. Uh, when we presented this for the first time to the broader group, it was very much under the auspices of this is a, an early draft. We're going to have to revise. We're going to get input from everybody here. Uh, if there's language in here that you don't feel comfortable with, that's cool. We can still update it. And everybody looked at it and just was like, no, that's right. That's exactly what we stand for. That's what brings us together. Uh, And the fact that the core values underlying what we're trying to do here were just so easily agreed upon by everybody, not that hard work didn't go into defining it, but once it was on the page, it was so easily agreed upon and everybody really saw themselves in something uh, that could have been quite controversial. Uh, That was the moment where I was like, okay, there is a very, very real path forward here. Uh, And that also happened at a time when, you know, we were we were getting together and for the third or fourth time as a as a wider group and, uh, you know, really starting to form the friendships and bonds that you need, that trust that you need in order to kind of come together on something like this.
1: So these two organizations that we're joining forces with, one of them, they're actually both uh, essentially offshoots of moderate Republicans who saw the rise of Trump and said, "Okay, this is not cool. This is not for me. This is not my party. Um, so the Serve America movement has been working in various states to get on the ballot. It's uh, on the ballot or recognized in four states, which means that Ford Party is now on the ballot or recognized in four states. Ta-da! Look at that. Got there quick. Uh, and then the Renew America movement was co-founded by our friend Evan McMullen and Miles Taylor, who will be on the podcast shortly, uh, to try and make the Republican Party actually principled and moral. Uh, but they have concluded that that's not happening. And so that uh, third party is the the right path. Uh, and the great thing is that forward party people think of us as coming um, from the left of the Democratic Party, which is factually accurate. Uh, I was a dem. Um, and then Sam is kind of down the middle. Uh, Ram is like a, a, you know, a little bit from the Republican Party. But this is truly the big tent coalition that so many Americans have wanted where they say, look, we can disagree on some things, but we can agree on the fact that we're Americans. We care about this country. We can uh, work things out. Uh, we can respect each other enough to respect election results. <laughs> so, 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 so these are, um, so these are the orgs that we're joining forces with. Uh, they each come with very, very talented uh, leaders and operatives. Uh, some of whom we'll hear from. Uh, But it's an awesome, awesome group. Uh, And uh, these, these folks are true patriots trying to do the right thing. This podcast is sponsored by ExpressVPN. A few decades ago, private citizens used to be largely that. Private. What's changed? The internet. Think about everything you've browsed, searched for, watched, or tweeted. Now imagine all that data being crawled through, collected, and aggregated by third parties into a permanent public record, your record. Having your private life exposed for others to see was once something only celebrities worried about. But in an era where everyone is online, everyone is a public figure. To keep my data private when I go online, I turn to ExpressVPN. Do you know there are hundreds of data brokers out there whose sole business is to buy and sell our data? The worst part is you don't know what they're doing, you don't get to have your say. That's why I use ExpressVPN, just hit one button and then your internet connection gets rerouted through an encrypted server. No one can see your IP address. You're completely in your own private internet. Every time I turn ExpressVPN on, I'm given a random IP address shared by other ExpressVPN customers. That makes it harder for third parties to track me and harvest my data, no matter what device you're on, you just hit one button and you get your own protected connection. So if, like me, you believe that your data is your business, secure yourself with the number one rated VPN on the market. Visit expressvpn.com yang and get three extra months for free. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S vpn.com yang. Go to expressvpn.com yang to learn more. Kudos to everyone involved, particularly you, Matt, because you shepherded this through more than anyone and you're still leading the effort. People are going to get to know other uh, folks from the other orgs that now form forward. Um, I will say, too, that we're not done. We're just getting started. Um, So as of this announcement, we are the third biggest political party in the country uh, by resources not by ballot access or or those other things, that we do have volunteer chapters in every state in the country. Uh, We think that we're going to, thank you for everyone who's part of that. And if you want to join, please do go to forwardparty.com and just find your state chapter. We are going to be recognized or on the ballot in we think about 15 states by the end of this year, 30 by the end of next year, and then shooting for all 50 by the end of 2024. Uh, so let's talk through some of the big operational goals of Ford. So now we, we've got this uh, multi-million dollar organization. Our combined budget is uh, approaching 8 to 10 million uh, uh, now, which is really significant. Uh, we have, again, uh, volunteers in every state, uh, thousands and thousands of donors, regular donors, which we love. So thank you, everyone uh, at, out there. Uh, So let's talk about what the heck we're going to do. So there's the ballot access piece. And your legal background is helpful because it turns out that there's a lot of uh, uh, lawyering involved. And my conversation last week with Matthew Ho, (laughs) kind of indicates some of what faces third parties. Um, We're launching this national tour, including culminating in a national convention next year. So anyone who wants to be a part of that, you really should sign up so that we can build this thing. And then you can come to the convention and be part of history. New tour is launching in Houston, Texas on September twenty fourth. Uh, but there are a few things that we're going to be doing in the here and now in communities, including starting with the 506,000 or so locally elected officials, about 20% of whom are nonpartisan county execs and City council members and village officials. Some of them are uncontested. Some of them are unpaid. So, you know, people hopefully are doing it for for good reasons. We think we can get to thousands of elected officials by the end of next year, in part because there are functionally thousands of independent officials right now. uh, And we go to them and say, hey, would you like to join forward? Now you'll have volunteers, a mailing list, Uh, you'll be one of the leaders, you can come to the national convention, whereas right now you have none of those things. We think we can get hundreds and thousands of takers pretty quickly.
0: Yeah. And if you think about the elected officials that you can vote for that actually have an impact on your life, it's, you know, not at the federal level, they go, you know, down to DC, they're in the house, they're one of Hundreds of voices uh, can't really do much for you locally, but the board of ed that determines you know what your what your kid learns. The mayor is fixing the potholes and making sure that speed bumps are in the right places and making sure that your community is you know safe. Um, so those are those are to us the more impactful races. That's where we want to get involved. That'll help us train up a new generation of leaders that will also help us really get involved in the communities. One of the things that uh, I heard from someone during this whole process that I thought was really smart was the two existing political parties view your vote as like step one, give us your vote and then we will do stuff for you. And then they don't do anything because they'd rather get into fights so that they can tell you to vote for them again so
1: they can. Well, they don't fight. have to do anything yeah. to keep their job, uh, you know, like a. There's no meaningful competition in in 90% of these races, but continue. What I heard that
0: I thought really needs to inform the ethos of what we're doing as an operation is vote should be the downstream effect of the party getting involved in the community and helping to improve it. So... You know, outside of the elected officials, we also are looking to engage with civic leaders in different areas, uh, people who head up churches, volunteer organizations, you know, like the local ambulance corps, the local fire department, really going in and talking with those people to tell uh, them what Ford Party is all about. Because we believe that the whole purpose of political power is to make people's lives better, not to make our lives better, but, but to make other people's lives better. And we come together. And we...
1: Our lives are categorically worse. <laughs>
0: I mean, the the vast majority of Americans would agree that we're headed in the wrong direction. Uh, And yet we keep on voting for the same two options. I think there's a definition of uh, insanity out there that kind of goes in that direction. But yeah, we like as forward party, we just want to get out there in the community, figure out how to help the different communities. Um, this was something, Andrew, that kind of sprung up from the Yang Gang on the presidential of so many of the Yang Gang chapters, which just go out and clean up a park or clean up a river or you know engage civically in the community.
1: Yeah, I, I would love to make sure we do something concrete and real in communities so that win or lose a race, it's like, well, you did something good. Yeah. Uh, and, and the goal, like you said, should be doing good stuff, not trying to win various races all of the time, though I think we're going to be able to win our fair share oh, pretty quickly in part because the two parties are just so weak and decrepit in so many communities, even in in a community they're supposed to be um, very, very present in you get there and like, no one likes them. It turns out, I mean like this thing is so ripe for change and we want to make it a positive change, not a terrible change. And in my opinion, terrible changes are coming unless we kind of try and beat them in the foot race. This podcast is sponsored by Helix Sleep. I've always been a mattress guy because I figured if I'm going to do something for up to eight hours, maybe I should do it right. And Helix Sleep That's helixsleep.com slash yang. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. But then you do have congressional races that we can play a role in as early as this November. And people who've been paying a lot of attention, I'm going to, to go through a few of the big races and see what you think. So. For, for me, some of the highest priority races this November, right now, that forward party can help with Evan McMullin running for US Senate in Utah, and Democrats aren't running a candidate in that race. So we have a chance to defeat Trump endorsed incumbent who is literally texting Mark Meadows on January 6 being like, how can I help? I mean, <laughs> you know, like that guy versus uh, Evan, who's True Blue Patriot, spent a decade overseas uh, as part of the CIA trying to defend the country, ran for president in 2016 as an independent, as an anti-Trump measure. Um, so Evan McMullen in Utah, we have to help him win. He could be a fulcrum in the Senate as early as January yeah. of next year. Lisa Murkowski in Alaska, who voted to impeach Trump uh, and is now being challenged by a Trump-endorsed Candidate as per usual, uh, Kelly Shabaka, um, who let's say would not be your favorite US Senator. (laughs) She's, I mean, uh, you know, uh, you can imagine some of these Trump endorsed candidates are um, pretty bad, and Kelly is, I'd say, worse than the norm. So that, like, Lisa Murkowski winning is a huge deal, both uh, for the here and now, but also because her chances of getting back into office are almost entirely based on the shift to open primaries and ranked choice voting that we're championing uh, around the country. The last poll I saw said that Lisa Murkowski uh, was going to win 52-48 in the final round of ranked choice voting after all the other candidates get eliminated except for her and Chewbacca. So uh, that one's going to be razor close. Yeah,
0: that's going to be super close. And getting. Reform minded people who I think at this point in Alaska, you have to be if you're voting for Murkowski. She's getting a really wide coalition built together. Uh, It's going to be particularly important because the uh, the Republicans up in Alaska have said that if they retake, you know, the State House, uh, there's a good chance that we lose open primaries and ranked choice voting up there. And that would be
1: boo, That would be catastrophic. Yeah.
0: So, you know, we we need to make sure that those reforms don't get rolled back up there because they are kind of proving how powerful they are. And, you know, I, I would say that the fact that, um, the the political pa- The political parties in power in the states where these reforms are happening are fighting against them so strong. Both parties, you know, Nevada, the Democrats are going against it. Up in Alaska, the Republicans are going against it. I think that should tell you that uh, it is something that could actually threaten the status quo, threaten the current power structures. Uh, they wouldn't spend a lot of time and resources trying to fight something if they didn't think that it could impact them.
1: And that's uh, the third big race, so to speak, in November uh, is the ballot initiative in Nevada. That shifts them to nonpartisan open primaries and ranked choice voting, which, as you said, the Democrats are now fighting tooth and nail. Uh, apparently, they spent seven figures trying to discredit and fight it already. Uh, it's going through. Um, now, the question is will it pass in November? I heard polling that said that 60% of Nevadans when presented with a question, Hey, would you like to vote for whomever you like uh, in, in the primary shockingly? A majority of them want that 60% want that, but that's before the democratic machine comes out and scares the shit out of everyone and probably spends millions of dollars, which typically happens in these ballot initiatives. Uh, So there's a lot on the line uh, uh, in, in that state because if this ballot initiative gets defeated, it's going to be, uh, you know, if it, if, Lisa Murkowski wins in Alaska, and this thing passes in Nevada, it's going to feel like this reform is sweeping the nation. Um, but if uh, those two things don't happen, then it's going to seem like uh, we're stuck in the mud.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, there's a ton of great work going down in Nevada, but my mon- money uh, pulls things in a certain direction. So we'll see what happens when all of that gets down there. The thing that angers me the most is when people are arguing against these reforms, especially ranked choice voting, which we've heard coming out of, uh, Nevada now is that it's too complicated. Like people are smart. People in this country are smart. They can figure out how to rank things that they like. That's not a high bar. So uh, to me, it's just it's a little infuriating that apparently our elected officials think so little of us that that is the argument. Oh,
1: you, you know, you know, that's a farzical rationale, Matt. The Democratic Party of Nevada literally uses ranked choice voting in its own operations, So they know that it works uh, they just needed to come up with some bullshit uh, because their consultants told them, hey, this is bad for us. So, like, fight it. And then they can't just come out and say the truth, which is like, we're against this because uh, we think it introduces uncertainty into our closed system and we dislike competition. So, let's try and kill this measure. They can't say that. So, then they'll say, oh, it's confusing discourages minorities even though that that by the way flies in the face of any evidence
0: the the political consultants come in you know for the win again with the recommendation that the argument you should make is hey people you're too stupid for this like it's just it's it's kind of ridiculous to me some of the advice that that gets uh, injected into these things
1: uh, and it's one reason why you need a genuine third party is that there are a lot of uh folks who want these things and both the republican and the democratic party are going to fight it wherever it hurts their interest in that state Uh, You know, and it is one thing that irritates the heck out of me is that there are so many Democrats who are like, oh, you know, we're fighting the uh, authoritarians and like anything that distracts from us is like, it's like, well, let's play this out for a second. First, do you really think it's realistic that you can defeat the Republicans in every race from now until the end of time? in a country where 88% of Americans think we're on the wrong track, like, that's your plan. And so you're going to yell at anyone who, uh, who's going to do something else because, like, you've got this. I mean, and, by the way, when someone comes along with an intelligent pro-public interest reform, then you're going to spend seven figures on fighting that. You're going kit- to kick Matthew Ho off the ballot because you think that helps you. You're going to elevate extreme... Republican candidates in the primary, like Doug Mastriano, because you think it's a better race for you. It's like, I mean, uh, talk about uh, against the public interest. You're like, these people are a threat to democracy. Let's spend millions of dollars boosting them and uh, make it so that they actually get to the general because like that, that's, I mean, uh, you can see the logic in this perverse two party system. It's like, well, I want a quote unquote, more beatable opponent. I want a weaker opponent, but you're playing with fire.
0: Yeah. And I also think that, you know, with two political parties as we have now obviously both parties believe that the other one is worse for the country like that's just how you you'd be a democrat if you thought the democrats were better for the country so you're not so you're a republican and those are your only two options but i think that
1: oh yeah I, how, how many times do Ford party members get accused of being republicans because we're not democrats i mean that's like freaking every 10 seconds yeah yeah and um you know meanwhile the majority of the country is independent yeah
0: Uh, even the Republicans and Democrats who are still in the parties are uh, not particularly happy with those parties. I think the numbers are hovering in like bouncing between 60 and 80%, which sure, it's over 50%, but if 60% of your party thinks that you are terrible, if 60% of your group thinks you're terrible, you're probably not a great group to begin with. So, you know, maybe maybe look at yourself for a little while. Um, But I also think that having the two-party system that we currently have with the two parties we have really makes both parties kind of end up in a bad position where since the other party is existentially bad for the country, anything you can do to beat them is okay. And that's how we end up in these situations where the Democrats are elevating just Republican candidates that would be completely unacceptable, completely unqualified, completely all of that, because, of course, we should do anything we can in order to win, not even recognizing that you've now, first off, put the country at risk of those people getting elected. But second off, you're now just, you've lost your moral core. You're not actually fighting for what's best for the country anymore. I I feel like the, the country as a whole has kind of lost that moral core. The parties have lost that moral core and we really need to take some time together to define that again, so that we're operating within the bounds of creating a good place to live rather than just not letting the other party take us in a direction that we view as horrible?
1: Well, I think this is the darkest part of the two-party system, Matt, which is that increasingly what happens with people, families, and communities totally irrelevant politically uh, because, hey, you're stuck with us in this blue area or this red area, so I can screw up or not screw up, and it doesn't really matter. We have a re-elect rate of 94% as incumbents because we've carved the country up like a turkey, and you can't get rid of us. Um, And so when someone comes to me and says like, hey, you know, my my town's busted, my neighbors are addicted to drugs, my kids schools are closed, Uh, you look at and be like, well, doesn't really matter, because you can't really do anything about it. uh, And we don't actually understand how to do anything about it as a political party. Because all we know how to do is talk about how the other side's bad, uh, and argue. And that's our set of incentives. Um, We're essentially a bunch of uh, communicators um, uh, and inflamers uh, and what happens in your community doesn't matter. Uh, I can't tell you how many political figures who speak in this language and like no one actually cares about what's happening on the ground in real life uh, to people and families. It's just become an elite communications competition uh, as, as opposed to anything that's going to change people's lives for the better.
0: Yeah, one of the things that uh, somebody who works here at Ford brought up that I thought was really interesting uh, is that, you know, you go back 30, 40, 50 years, the number of comms staffs in any member of congress's office, you know, single digits, one, two, maybe three comms professionals. Now it's like 50% or something ridiculous like that. I forget the actual number, but as you said, but most point. members
1: of congress at this point are primarily media figures and theater performers, and they're not legislators. Yep. Uh, A a member of Congress said to me that if you are in Congress uh, and you're in the minority party, you're essentially a piece of furniture. Uh, Like you're not consulted on anything. You're never gonna pass anything. So what do you do if you are full time? You're like, okay, I have to elevate my political profile. So like, let let me try and figure out how I'm gonna do that even in, in a world where I'm certainly not gonna pass anything meaningful. Yeah. So maybe I'll propose some messaging bills and say like, Oh, like I stood on this, I fought for this. Maybe I'll try and get on cable news like that. That's the coin of the realm.
0: Yeah. And I think this also goes back to something we were talking about a little while ago too, with the parties have kind of established their policies as the defining features of themselves. And so if they're wrong about one of those, and they actually do manage to implement something and it doesn't work out, you can't move around from that because you're defined by that policy. So like What are you gonna do now? Well, you're just gonna keep on doubling down and saying, oh, well, you know, the problem is we didn't invest enough resources in that, or the problem is that the other party sabotaged it or whatever. And then you end up just kind of doubling down on failed policies instead of saying like, hey, we tried this, it was wrong, but what's really important to us is that our communities are safer. So instead of going in this direction even more, let's reevaluate it, let's find other ways to make our community safer and let's move in that direction. And that's where I think you really need Ideological diversity in these conversations because other people are going to have good ideas that you wouldn't think of based on your own background. Like, there's plenty of areas out there where, based on my background, uh, I would put forth certain ideas that would be terrible, probably. Like, I'm not, I'm not a policy expert. I'm not the person who you should put in charge of all the policies in the country because I've got my biases. And if I'm not having them tested by other people or challenged by other people, if I'm not hearing ideas brought up by other people, it's going to be wrong. You get this echo chamber and that's how you end up kind of where we are now in the country where the two parties just can't believe that they are wrong because there's nobody in the room saying we might be wrong because everybody just agrees with each other or gets cast out if they don't.
1: So we've talked about the local officials, very exciting, We talked about some of the congressional races, there are others, opportunities in November that we can get into right now. Um, But then there's the big elephant in the room, 2024, what the heck is going on? So I want to discuss for a moment something you have not heard, Matt, uh, but it's going to be fun and exciting. I had dinner with a very, very significant uh, philanthropist last week who said that she sat in on and managed, actually, I think she funded them, uh, a number of focus groups for groups of Obama, Trump, Biden voters, the genuine swing group. They voted for Barack Obama in 2012, Donald Trump in 2016, and then they said, screw that, Joe Biden in 2020. This group comprises approximately 6% of the electorate which in this narrowly divided country is going to decide most any election. I think people sense, you know, you get 6% swinging one way or another. That's like
0: 20 million voters.
1: Yeah, it's tens of millions of voters. So these focus groups had a number of insights. Um, These people are very, very upset about how things are going right now. They're they're, they're really not enjoying (laughs) this administration, shall we say. They were asked to describe each party in one word. Uh, and they actually pretty quickly coalesced around one word for each party. What word do you think that they used for the Democratic Party? Ineffective? Preachy. Okay, that makes sense too. What word did they come upon for the Republican Party? I, I, I don't know what this podcast is
0: rated, so I don't know what type of language I'm allowed to use here.
1: Uh, it, it it's it, It's rated adult, but... The word was crazy. Okay. I was going to say batshit
0: was where I was going. Yeah.
1: yeah, I I think batshit was right there. So uh, I I think that these swing voters are onto something (laughs) with with, with both these parties. They were then presented with a choice saying you have to choose either preachy or crazy. And which do you think they chose?
0: I am going to say that they went with crazy.
1: They went with crazy by an overwhelming margin. 90% 90% plus which was mildly surprising when i heard this but they they really really detest preachy. Yeah. <laughs> they don't like crazy but they they're the uh, they'll choose it if they have to people
0: don't like being talked down to or condescended to i think like that's kind of i was bringing up the criticism before of the people are too stupid to figure out ranked choice voting kind of the same thing like there's just a whole lot of talking down to the american people instead of just leveling with them out there so that makes sense. That group's also interesting to me because, um, you know, we've talked before about kind of the the Obama-Trump voters because you had a, a decent number of them supporting you in the, the presidential. I think the way that you categorize them made a lot of sense of they were banking on change. Like Obama promised change, Trump promised change. They didn't have their lives going in the right direction. And then, you know, they voted that way. But to vote for Biden at that point suggests that, there is a level of
1: change. Biden was change in 2020 sure. that, that is true yeah. you know Biden was the change he was like, okay, this isn't working Let, let's let's try the other horse um, but they are very very ticked off uh, and a, a lot of these folks um, are struggling uh, with some of their day-to-day financial constraints yep. uh, and inflation is really hitting them hard. So they are very, very upset about what's going on. Um, now the 2024 field, I think it's going to be Trump and the Republican Party. Um, There's a lot of noise about DeSantis. I don't think DeSantis decides to risk his entire political future by going up against Trump in a death match. He can easily just coast for a cycle and uh, wind up in a great place. He's a young guy.
0: He's got plenty of time.
1: And I, I think on the other side if Trump is running, and then Joe Biden says, I'm running, then the Democrats will fall in line pretty quick, even if there are concerns about his age, and there are some people who are very, very unenthusiastic. So right now, the most likely matchup remains, Trump, Biden too, uh, despite the fact that 58% of Americans don't want that matchup, uh, don't want either of those men to be president in 2025. Uh, their combined age will be 159 at that point. It would be a visible manifestation of just how stupid and broken down the two party system is, where you're like, wait a minute, in a country of 330 million people, we're choosing between these guys again, and they're four years older and uh, uh, creakier. I mean, like, th- this would really be insanity. Yeah. But guess what, America? Like, insanity is still the most likely outcome. Um, and so a lot of people look at forward party um, and they just reflexively think presidential race because that's the way they're programmed. Yeah. Um, they're programmed to say like, oh, the only reason anyone would get into third parties would be if they're going to run for, for president. Now, we're not about that. We're about solving the country's problems, giving people a real choice, changing and improving the mechanics, changing the incentives within parties. Uh, they're, they're, and we're here for the long haul. That said, uh, the country is not doing well. Uh, The field in 2024 could be completely unacceptable to tens of millions of Americans, and we may be able to improve on that. So I want to present a vision of an independent third-party presidential nomination process where we get people of diverse points of view and backgrounds and say, what, you want to run for president? We will give you a fair shake. You can make your case to the American people and guess what? A political party can nominate candidates any way they want. There is nothing about starting in Iowa, New Hampshire. There's nothing about ignoring major population centers. There are huge swaths of the country that have not had any meaningful input into presidential nominations their entire lives, like they're, you know, for uh, multiple generations. Um, So imagine being able to participate in a real life, vital presidential primary on your smartphone and then have your vote be verified a few days later um, when a postcard arrives. Or maybe you get a text message and it gets matched, your phone number gets matched up to your public records. But there are ways that we can actually show America what democracy can mean and then come together behind A unity ticket or a third party presidential campaign that genuinely reflects the desires and will of the American people as opposed to someone who's just um, managing to trudge along because of seniority within a broken two party system.
2: Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today.
0: There's a lot of people out there, as you noted, who just structurally are kind of cut out of this process quite a bit. Um and if you think about the process itself, uh, you know, I, I think a good proxy for this is the debates because that's kind of the most visible part of the the presidential selection process. Think about how bad our debates are these days.
1: I can say with authority, they're bad. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't
0: have to be that way. We've had we, we literally have had debates, presidential debates in this country that we still talk about to this day. Like you know, you go back to the 1800s, and we're still you know hearing about Lincoln's debates. So there are better ways to do these things. Uh, it's just not going to happen in the the current system. So you know we've got to we've got to break out of that. I think. You know, we've talked about this. The media is talking about it at this point. There's a bunch of people who are looking at it. There's going to be independent candidates for president in 2024. There's just way too many people who don't want Biden-Trump for that to not happen. There's people out there who have flirted with runs before, who, do all, who have, you know, put feelers out, all that stuff before. There's politicians out there who we know are, you know, kind of posturing in ways or like you know,
1: oh, I'm not. Going there, to be there true, are or... an, there are a number of moderate Republicans, in particular, who are looking at running for president and trying to decide whether they're going to do so within a Republican primary. Which, by the way, they're going to get shellacked. Uh, if you have three or four moderate Republicans uh, versus Trump, they all get crushed uh, because he still maintains loyalty among two thirds or so of Republican primary voters. Again. Your stupid primary system in action, and some of them are looking at running third party. Also, I mean, with the
0: stupid primary system, I think people lose sight very easily because we present the number, like the support for Trump within the Republican Party, we present present that as a percentage but it's a dwindling number of people because more and more people are leaving the Republican Party to become independents. Who stays in the Republican Party at this point? The people who think the Republican Party is a good place to be. And so, you know, you're getting the, the people who are like, yeah, Trump should be our standard bearer as the ones who are sticking in the party. And you get the other people leaving. And so, of course, Trump's going to come out of that looking good because the other people have left and they can't vote in the Republican primary since they've now left that party and become an independent. So it's just kind of pushing it in that direction.
1: Oh, well, I'm, I'm the math guy, Matt. I spend months and months campaigning in Iowa. You know what percentage of Iowans participated in the democratic caucus? What percentage? 6.4. Um, so if, if I'm sure the Republican number is not that dissimilar. So you're talking about like 60% of the Republican primary voters in one of these States, it's like, you know, you're, you're going to be looking at probably like, 10 20 percent of people saying like yeah we love trump and then you're like oh half the country loves trump it's like no actually it's just within the the weird republican primary electorate in a particular location if you open up to the general public then things change really really quick particularly if you give people genuine choices because right now there are millions of americans who aren't down with trump who will never vote for the Democrat. Uh, because they just hate Democrats, <laughs> whatever reason, whatever, whatever. Yeah. think they're preachy, whatever. You give them a, another choice, um, then they'd be like, "Okay, I'll sign up for that." Um, uh, and and the problem is right now uh, they're they're stuck, like the entire country is stuck. And we are going to unstick them. To use some of my earlier language, the forward party. We're we're, we're coming to a town near you. This is the most exciting development in American politics. You're talking to. The co-CEO of the third biggest political party by resources in the country today, growing enormously all the time. Matt, what are you most excited about? First, thank you, thank you, thank you again for shepherding a very, very difficult uh, merger um, across the finish line. How many meetings and calls do you think you had? It was definitely time-consuming and difficult to figure out all the details. But um,
0: as I've said before, just fantastic people at both of those other organizations who have been great to work with and focused on the right stuff, You know, focused on how to bring us together rather than focused on um, trying to find ways to make this thing fall apart. So it's been, it's been months, it's been hundreds and hundreds of hours of work, uh, but we're at a very exciting point right now where we have finally brought these groups together. We're moving forward. We are going to make a a massive change in this country. What I'm most excited about, uh, and this, maybe this isn't the best thing to say, but I'm most excited, like this, when we started this thing up, um, we were trying to tackle two parties that have just an unbelievable number of resources behind them. Uh, And the more people you have, the more likely you can make that happen. Like I, I, we're all in this, as you as you've said, nobody's in the third party space because they think it's gonna be easy or glorious or any of that stuff. Anybody who's in here is doing it because they think that it's the right thing to do. And with more people, it's more likely that we get the outcome that we want. So I'm super excited to be working with the these groups of people, really, really, really smart, dedicated, principled people in order to make it more likely that we end up coming out of this thing with the country that we want.
1: You're all those things too, Matt. Smart, dedicated, principled. Uh, so thrilled to have you as a partner and colleague in this effort. Uh, we're going to... Make it so that people realize they have actual choice, uh, that we can do better. Uh, These two parties are so ripe. I mean, think about every industry that has changed in American life over the last 50 years. And politics has been the exception. And people are getting more and more pissed off about it. It's more and more obvious that, that these structures are not... 21st century ready <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that it's time for an upgrade and you my friend are helping to make that upgrade possible i'm gonna leave you with the the call to action how can people help and get involved with forward party uh i
0: i love this question because a lot of the times people think that you need to do it, have hundreds of hours to dedicate to this or be able to you know be a state lead and spend 50 hours a week doing anything or, you know, find a a job. You don't just go out and do good in your community. And if people ask, be like, yeah, this is, you know, come learn about the forward party. This is what we're about. We're about making communities better. Uh, you've got five minutes. Give us five minutes. If you've got five hours, give us five hours of just going to your community and making it a better place. And, uh, we got a ton of resources put together by some really smart people on our team, particular, uh, Blair and Josh on how to get civically engaged. Uh, to me, a, a leader is somebody who behaves in a way that they would like others to behave. And so, just go out and be a leader. Be, do the things that you think other people should do in your community. You can go from there. Um, I, I'm I'm going to hijack it a little bit right now, Andrew, to to give some shout outs to some of the volunteers, the people who are doing it out there. Please, Caesar in Nevada, yeah, who's uh, going crazy on the final five voting. Fantastic out there, and he's gotten us in touch with a lot of local leaders who uh, are, you know, just doing exciting stuff. Uh, Leslie's holding down the fort in Florida, Heather and Ricker in Michigan and Texas. Uh, we got a, a 14-year-old high school student named Ryan, who I don't even know how much time it took him to do this, but he put together a list of 2,800 local newspapers for people to write letters to the editor to in order to make the case for the forward party. Uh, we've got Zach and Gina, Silas, Brandon, Steve, Tina. These are just some of the people out there who are going above and beyond to show their communities that things can be better if we all just believe they can be better. Uh, And as you said, like up until now, this has kind of been, there's only two games in town, but that's kind of crazy considering how many people are independents out there. Like if, if we just had the whole country put their heads down and say like, Hey, no judgment, like close your eyes, lift your hand. If you want a new option, we'd be in the majority today. And yet everybody's just been browbeaten into accepting these two parties. So let's, uh, let's stop letting them tell us that we can't form our own group, form our own party, go out there, improve this country, do things a different way. Uh, Cause they are in the minority, not us. So let's go out and act like that.
1: Yes. Let's activate the people, the true majority. I couldn't agree with you more. Just everyone listening to this, just go to forward party and try and meet someone um, in your community, in your state, because you'll be blown away. The The folks who are volunteering in this movement are just some of the most uplifting amazing people I've ever met. Uh, and it will make you feel better about the country. It makes me feel better about the country every single day. Thank you, Matt. Forward. Let's take the country there. Appreciate the heck out of you, my friend.
0: Same to you, Andrew. I always, always appreciate talking with you, your perspective. And, uh, as always, thanks for bringing me along for this crazy ride.